again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today, I'm going to talk about The Last Dance, a series that was originally on ESPN. It's a 10-part series, and it's about the last year that Michael Jordan played for the Chicago Bulls. And the deal is, the Bulls had succeeded in winning three games in a row once, in 1998, they were up for their second championship of three. So they had won two championships. They wanted to get their third championship, which meant that they would have succeeded in having two three-peats. So for that period of time, 1998, which was supposedly Jordan's last year with the team and Phil Jackson's last year with the team, the coach, they allowed a film crew unfettered access of their workouts, their practices, their gym routines, whatever they did on the floor or while they were playing games, that film crew was there. Michael Jordan, whether he played basketball or not, was very insightful about the game, about human nature. I don't think you could be a player like him without understanding human psychology. I really don't, because he really had it down. He not only understood his own players, he understood players who were on the other side. And when he wanted to conquer a team, he got his team together and they just went at it. And they seemed to be unstoppable. They profile also Scottie Pippen, who was his right-hand lieutenant, and Dennis Rodman, who was on the team that I completely forgot about. Wacky old Dennis Rodman. What I love about it is it's very human, or I should say it's very humane. They take a humane look at every one of the players. They even have one episode that's dedicated to Kobe Bryant, which made me cry. Uh-huh. Even Dennis Rodman gets his day. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. comes across as very eccentric, but I always mm-hmm. thought he was just crazy, just flat out crazy. And just being able to hear how these people think about their game, because I love basketball. It's the only game that I really am interested in at all. It watch. is fun to watch. I'm a Lakers fan. So mm-hmm. the Bulls were always the threat to the Lakers and they beat the Lakers. They supplanted them for a period of time. Magic and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fell under the weight of the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. Even Catherine, who really doesn't care about sports or basketball, really liked the series. She really, really liked it. I recommend it. It's a great documentary. I didn't have ESPN, so I couldn't watch it. And then there was a rumor that it was going to Hulu. Well, I was going to get Hulu for it. It didn't go to Hulu, but it did finally come to Netflix. Mm. And I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. Oh, cool. That sounds fun. I'm kind of in between shows. I I haven't found anything to grab me, but I I stepped out of my comfort zone. And I started watching one last night on Netflix called The Last Kingdom. It's something I would normally just never watch. It's one of those medieval- Wait, who's in it? Somebody interesting is in it. Who's the lead actor? any of the names. Oh, okay. It's kind of an international cast though. When I was looking through some of the cast members' bios on IMDb, some are like from Belgium and some are from England and they're from all over the place. But the reason I watched it was it's about the Viking invasion of Northumbria in the ninth century. And I'm still bit by bit listening to my podcast on history of the English language, we're up uh-huh. to the part where the Angles and Saxons came into Britain and did all of that, you know, in like around 200 or so. They kicked the Romans out. They formed their own thing. Christianity came back in a new form through Ireland, and that affected the language. And so I'm listening to this story of how the language has changed. Well, these characters that are in this series are actual historical kings, of Wessex and Essex and these different areas. So it grabbed me because it ties in with the story of English. 
much. It gave it more relevance to me. So it made me curious to watch it. W were the Norse successful? I mean, they didn't conquer. Yeah, no, they, they were did. very successful. England was pretty much overrun by the Danes. And that was the flow of the Vikings was from Sweden and up there down through Denmark and then over to, to Northern England. But what's a little disappointing about the series, but of course it has to be this way, when the Vikings come in, they don't speak the Viking language. Oh. They speak English, oh. modern English. <laughs> <laughs> and when the Anglo-Saxons are defending Northumbria unsuccessfully, they don't speak Middle English or Old English. They speak Modern English. So it was like, what was I thinking? I was thinking, no, oh, <laughs> I'm going to see this show that shows about the linguistic changes. But oh. it's done so well, they really do quite a good job of making it seem historically true and yet have a contemporary tautness to the storyline that makes it draw you in. Yeah. And I'm, I'm rather impressed with the actors that they're able, through all of this heavy-duty costuming, you know, it's just so extreme and wild, and it's probably less crazy than what was really worn, whatever that Maybe was. Maybe so, yeah. A lot of chain I mail. Could, I could see this easily falling into almost kind of a mockery of itself, like a historical <laughs> yes, epic, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I gotta hand it to these people. So I watched one episode, and I am curious to see what happens next. I don't know if I can hang in for a whole 10 episodes, and it's got five, it's still going. It's, it's very successful. I'm watching the season that premiered in 2015. It's still running. Wow. But, it's, but the other cool thing is the king of Northumbria, who gets killed in the first episode, is played by Matthew, you'll know his last name. McFadden? He's, yes. Matthew McFadden from... Oh, Succession. Succession. And yeah. he plays this feckless, just this wimpy, waspy waste of a good suit. And, <laughs> and um, But in this one, he's this big macho warrior. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's an amazing Matthew. actor. Yeah. I first saw him in a miniseries. I think it was from the BBC, which was an adaptation of an Anthony Trollope book called The Way We Live Now. It was a book that I was reading for my book club, but I'm telling you, it's about finances and scams at the turn of the century. Oh, wow. And it is so contemporary. It is so worth, I'm, I'm in fact, now that I'm reminding myself, I'm going to go back and watch it again. It was oh, so good. good. And he played a completely feckless wimp in that too. Yeah, he's good at those characters. He is. And then I saw him, he was just in a version of Sense and Sensibility. Oh, he okay. played the Anthony Hopkins role and okay. he was magnificent. He's such a versatile actor. I think he's undercredited because he's so versatile. Is he American or British? He's British, but he obviously he plays an American. Yeah, the American portrayal he does in succession is, I'm not sure he had to be an American actor. Anyway, so I'm dying to know, the Vikings conquered the north of England. Did they take over a large chunk of England? I think they may have overrun the whole island because there was also Viking invasions into France. But I don't know if they came through England or if they went around England and went down to France. So more will be revealed on that. I don't but really know. As far as the language, mm -hmm. what was the language that dominated? Was it the Norse? Was that where the Saxon comes from? No. The, the, the Anglo. It's a very good question. From the Swedish area up to the north, they spoke Old Norse, which is interesting because Icelandic, if you go to Iceland today, modern Icelandic is not too different from Old Norse 
from that okay. era. Because of the um, isolation of the island of Iceland, they didn't have a lot of invaders, so they didn't have a change in their language. So they can oh. read old Norse texts of old legends, wow. and they don't, they don't have to go to school to do it. But the Vikings spoke Old Norse, and they sort of ran their part of England for at least some centuries. So Old Norse mixed with the language that was there, which now is called Middle English. In the 11th century, the French, the Norman invasion is going to happen. Oh, so, all right. All right. So English, so English got invaded from the north by the Vikings and from the south by the Normans, who brought Old French. Um, huh. And that's part of why our vocabulary is very varied. Got it. The story of the, the development of the English language, oh, I'm exhausted, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm really not. No, no, it's so interesting how we got oh. our own language and how it went from England to America and how that changed. Right, and now modern English, modern English is the coin of the realm linguistically. Whenever there's two countries that don't speak each other's language, they speak English with each other. It's the common language. It is. I wonder if that will change if America with doesn't recover. It's, yes, with our decline. But I just, I have got to talk to you about this cognitive test that the, the oh, president keeps oh, talking of course. about. Okay, here's my Person, take on it. Woman, woman man, man, camera, camera TV. TV. And if you get them in order, you get, you get extra, points. extra points. I'm convinced that he was looking around the room and he saw a person, a woman, a man, a camera and a TV. And that's how he came up with those words that he used, because I'm sure that those weren't the words on the cognitive test, because no one would have a camera and a TV and a woman and a man together. Those are two well, similar things. That's hysterical because I had, a, I, I too came up with a theory of why those words and mine was a little different. My theory was he picked those words when he was planning to say this because he could connect them logically in his mind <laughs> and be sure that he was going to repeat them properly. Because if you start with person, then it's a very easy jump to woman and man. And then you go to a new category, camera. Oh, it's easy to go from camera to TV because we know about TV cameras. So <laughs> I, there's so much in, the, in a, the same zone. It's not like person, giraffe, anti-establishmentarianism. They're I've all done in the those same tests. zone. When I've done those tests, the few words that I remember, because I'm not a stable genius, <laughs> were like car, church, bird, you yeah. know, three very unrelated things, or right, five exactly. very unrelated things. Exactly, but I that's don't why think it's he, But I don't think he thinks ahead that much, or if he did, that he oh, could remember he them. It. Do you think well, he planned the be. words? I think he oh, planned yes. to talk about it, but I don't, really, you think he has that much ability to think in advance? Because my sense of it is that he doesn't. I don't think he could think them up on the fly. It's I mean, I, 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 here's, I think it's possible. Here's what I thought, though. I thought he was looking around. Oh, and saw, I saw those things. A person who, a, a, a woman, oh. a, a, a man, and a oh. camera. Oh, those and are right there in the room. Yes, exactly. Oh, because that could well be. That could been, well be. That they could well been readily be. I was available. giving him too much credit, maybe. <laughs> but what he was doing there was the same thing he did at the rally in Tulsa when yes, he, where he was explaining the that ramp. He could lift up the water and the ramp. Yes. He was trying to reprogram American consciousness. He was trying to cancel out the perception that he was mentally unstable. 
not mentally unstable. Here's what I think. Oh, my, or stupid. <laughs> yeah. Right. That he thought of it as not a cognitive test. He thought it was an intelligence what, test. He thought it was an intelligence test. Because he's, that's right. Because he's so unintelligent that he doesn't know the difference. <laughs> he doesn't know the difference. God damn. This guy's the president of the U.S. It's so oh, I know. crazy. It's so scary. Um, one thing I loved, I mean, I don't have any respect for Chris Wallace. I know people think, oh, you know, he's like the well, free no, no, thinker no. at Fox, Fox I, News. I have respect for Chris Wallace. He's no Rachel Maddow. Well, I, but, I, I, I mean, for Fox. I paint everyone who works at Fox, I think is evil, including him. But yes, I gotta say, I loved him when, when Trump brought up this test and he just literally laughed and he goes, they ask you to identify an They're elephant. <laughs> Trump doesn't even acknowledge it, it just keeps going. <laughs> but it was so funny. Oh my God. It's well, not that hard. <laughs> I was very excited to be invited as one of 500 people who were invited to do a Zoom with this man who is really revered. His name is Reverend Jim Lawson. And he was, do you know his name? It sounds familiar. He was John Lewis's guru. His oh, wow. non nonviolent teacher and guru. He studied Gandhi wow. and was the person who really indoctrinated John Lewis and huh. I think Martin Luther King as well in nonviolence. Oh, right. And I was so excited. I had seen him once in person and it was great. But I'm telling you, I got on this Zoom. It turned out to be 300 other people. It was so hard to watch. I mean, it was so hard because it was just too many people on this call. He mm -hmm. was a little, one little tiny square. And maybe I didn't have my Zoom set up. Maybe I needed to, one of those things where you do the speaker, maybe that's what I missed out on. I didn't see the prompt, so I didn't think to do it, but just to make it, make it the speaker emphasis and not all of those little squares. Cause all of those little squares, I could see people like someone was doing this with their phone, oh, yes. back and forth to their face, yes. which makes, just gives me motion sickness. People right. were feeding their dogs. I mean, it was so yes. distracting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they could have made an announcement. Some of the grouping things I go to, people are developing Zoom etiquette, but not apparently not everybody's gotten not the, everybody. the email. No, um, I'm kicking myself now because it didn't occur to me that I could just have watched him because I was watching all of these other people. Yeah, doing all of these maybe other Zoom things. will put out a new version at some point where, as a participant, you have the ability to stop the video of like you're looking at those 50 squares on the screen and yeah. one of them is moving all around. You can just mute that one. That would yeah. be nice. Like you mute and you your have some control. audio. Yes. Video mute. Anyway, he's 90 years old and wow. still, still teaching is what are called nonviolent workshop nonviolent well, gosh workshops. but he worked with John Lewis back in the 60s and Martin yes. Luther King? Wow, so he must have been quite young when he did that. He was. He must have been very young because John Lewis was his student. He would have been 33 years old. He must have been in old. his 20s or something, yeah. No, he was 10 years older than John Lewis and John Lewis started when he was 23. He did the walk from Selma to the Edmund, over the Edmund Pettus Bridge and is completely revered. So I am going to try to do another one of those things and do some technical adjustments. One last thing I did want to mention because I was listening to it before we connected tonight. Mm -hmm. I was listening to this wonderful episode of This American Life. I hesitate to even bring it up because This American Life is one of those things that white people like. Oh, yeah. You know, that book, Stuff White People Like. It's <laughs> like I think it's the first entry, honest to God. But it was about amusement parks. And it was recorded in 2011. So there was no social distancing going on. And it was just right. this wonderful... 
examination of people who work in amusement parks, you know, experiences that people have had on rides that they've been on. Right. And it was just a wonderful excursion back to the before times. And I do love this American life. I always get something out of it. It was the first podcast that I ever listened to. It just So it has... wasn't a podcast, it was a radio show, Ben. You're yeah. absolutely right. It was a radio show. And it has continued to grow and continued to captivate me. Sometimes they do shows that are only about social issues. They did one mm -hmm. that won the, the Pulitzer Prize about people who were stuck at the border and what that oh. was like for them. You know, I went on my walk tonight and I, I, on Sundays, it's hard to find a podcast because the ones I like are, are dark on the weekends. Slow Burn is back. Oh, yes. On David Duke. podcast on David Duke. And I so, haven't listened to that one. What's it oh, like? I listened to the first one so far and it's mostly that's just expository, but it's good. One really cool element is they cover this first election that Duke ran after he was first defeated in some local election, he ran again as a Republican, I think, and he ran against the Republican incumbent, and he won. And the Republican incumbent, in, it was in the Metairie area near New Orleans, very right-wing area. But the cool thing is the guy he beat, he was the Republican candidate, but he's still alive. He's 90-something. And they interview him at the end of the segment. And it's just a great listen because he's so authentic. He's so not liberal. And yet yeah. he's so clearly disgusted by what Duke stood for. And it kind of inspires you, especially in the time of Trumpers and MAGA people and all of that, that there are people who may not share our worldview or our political persuasion on a detailed level, who I think still have at their core a, a sense of what's decent and what isn't. So oh. I found it kind of inspiring on that level. It's just one aspect to the show. It really wasn't the spotlight of the whole show, but what I took from it. it helped me be more respectful of others who yeah, I might yeah, disagree yeah. with. That series has been amazing because I'm assuming you've listened to Watergate and, and the, the yeah, Clinton yeah. one. And then they did one on Tupac and Biggie Smalls oh. who were killed within a short period of each other. And right. I always thought that their henchmen were responsible for each of mm -hmm. the killings. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it was way more complicated than that. But for some reason, the David Duke thing, I just didn't spark to it. And Catherine has listened to it and is very keen on it. So I guess I will end up listening to it. You know, it, it's contemporary because it's about race relations. This was in the 80s and it was when, well, I mean, this has maybe always been true, but it, it was at a time when fear of black instigated crime in the white community was right. very high in that area. So I, I hadn't thought of it this way yet, but it definitely has relevance to our situation today. Yeah, it does. Someone, who was it? Hilton Alls, who's someone, I'm not terribly familiar with him, other than that he was the theater critic for The New Yorker. But he verbalized something the other day. He was being interviewed by David Remnick for The New Yorker podcast. And he, he said something that I really have wondered about. He said, I was coming upon a woman. I was wearing a mask. And she turned and she saw me. And I have this impression that he's like a large black man. And she turned and saw me. And, and I saw the panic and fear in her eyes. And he said, I don't understand how it is that white people think that black people have perpetrated violence on them or on their women when right. in fact the exact opposite is it's true. It's a projection. Yeah, it's a projection. Yeah, it's so interesting and By sad. the way, I, I don't mean to run too long, but I just had another memory of something I wanted to tell you. 
We've talked about the 1619 series in the New York yes. Times yeah. and about the issue of terminology and the issue of changing the word slave to enslaved, enslaved person. people. Mm -hmm. And I have been, I wouldn't say I'm resistant, but I've been slow to take to that. Is this one of those inconveniences we talked about the other day <laughs> that had to do with white privilege? <laughs> uh, no, this isn't the one that you were referring I to. Don't. Well, I was in a discussion of something totally different with some people. It was on the use of the word failure about a person saying, because I failed, uh, I thought I was a failure, but it wasn't true. I failed at something that was impossible. I did fail at the task, but I am not a failure. Failure doesn't define who I am. And a, a light went on for me. Oh, The principle is the same. I saw it. I said, that's why we don't use the word slave anymore. The word draws a circle around the person and defines them. And the person is more than- Than what they the, are forced what to do. they were subjected to. It's, yeah. Yay, good for you. And so yay, yay, yay. It, suddenly it made sense, yeah. Now I get it. Oh, I'm so glad because I was surprised that you balked at it when it first came up, but I actually figured that you would get around to it one day. We're okay. time. It's time okay. to say goodbye to our oh, boomer we friends. We have homework. Okay. We have homework to do. Yes. Well, that well was a fun discussion. Thank you, boomers, for finding us again, and we will talk to you in a week. Bye, bye, boomers. Bye, and bye. Others. And others. Stay safe. Uh,